Hey, Solid Rock fam. Um, I want you to stay standing where you're at right now. And if you're not standing, then stand up to your feet. And I want you to just repeat after me. I want you to say, the Lord has anointed me. God has a great plan for my life. And I will fulfill my destiny. And before you sit down, I want you to high five yourself and say, I'm so glad I get to be fed the word of God today. In spite of being quarantined. So you can have a seat wherever you're at. I hope you're going to uh, hope you're already enjoying the service. It is very unusual for me to speak or preach to a camera. I'm still getting used to it. So give me a little bit of grace. But uh, the thing going on in the world with the coronavirus has been because of that, we've been asked to apply something called social distancing. And that's basically where you don't get real close to anybody and there's no hugs and no handshakes or anything like that. And I didn't think it was going to be that difficult. Didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. But I did not realize how much I love people until I'm asked not to be around them. So I have a sermon for you today, the title of it for your notes, and you can uh, stop this video and somewhere online you'll see on Facebook or on YouTube, you can uh, print out the sermon handout, the sermon notes for today. So you have those, so you can make your notes. But the title of the sermon today is called God Sins. God Sins. A God Send is a, purpose, is a person who God intentionally brings into our life to help us go further than we would have without them. I never realized how much I loved the people God put in my life and how much they do for me until I'm not allowed to see them in church and not allowed to hang out with them. A godsend, is, it's, like, it's like you're in the middle of a movie and you're the star and your life is the movie and God is the director. And all through your life, God has these supporting characters he has these extras. He has these behind the scenes people. And he directs them and tells them what to do to make sure that you fulfill the destiny he has for you. He'll say action and somebody will come into your life, sometimes just for a moment. And they'll do something good for you, somehow help you, encourage you. Sometimes these people that God brings into the movie of our life are there for a season, maybe two seasons. During a difficult time, maybe to help you raise your child or to get you through a dark time in your life. These godsends can be there for decades at a time or even for a lifetime. But either way, it's somebody that God strategically places in our life to do something good for us, to better us, to get us further along in our destiny, to get us further along in what God's called us to do. Uh, years ago, when all my kids were little, someone paid for us to go to Disneyland and we didn't have a vehicle that fit all of our family in it. Someone let us use their 1980s hoopty van and the windshield had no wipers on it. The windows couldn't roll down, but we all fit in it. So we went to Disney World and you know, we spent all our money and we're coming back home. We had enough money for gas to get us home. And we're on the long interstate road somewhere in Georgia, I assume. And all of a sudden we hit a flat tire and the, the van's on the side of the road. And if you know anything about me, uh, tools and me just don't go along together. And so I looked and we had a spare tire, but we didn't have anything to change it. And when I looked behind me, I noticed there was like a dark line in the sky where a storm was coming very fast. In fact, so fast, all the cars passing us had their windshield wipers on. Here our windows won't roll down, there's no wipers. 
And so I'm sitting there on the side of the road. My family's in the van. God, what do I do? And all of a sudden, it's like God, the director of my life, said, okay, action. And these two Mexican guys in a pickup truck pull over on the side of the road. They don't speak any English. I ask them, you know, what's going on? And I'm trying to point. And before I can even finish my sentences, they pull out the tools needed. They change the tire on the van for us. They get back in their car and I run up to the window and I say, whoa, 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 let me pay you. And I go to pull out the cash that we had left, you know, for gas to get us home. And they said, no, 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 no. And they took off. And God said, cut. That was perfect. They were godsends just for a moment. But they came in at just the right time. God loves using people. Uh, whenever I was a teenager, um, I played soccer my whole life from childhood uh, into an adult even and I, I probably had 15 coaches in my life. I don't remember any of them except for one. For some reason, this one coach, one year of my life, I remember. His name was Coach Buller, and he passed away a few years ago. But he was such an encouraging coach. Uh, I'll never forget, he was so kind. He motivated us the right way. He laughed with us. I remember one time I was running off the field in the middle of a game, and I don't know if he knew it, but I was standing behind him. His back was turned toward me. And he looked over at some of the parents and the people in the stands, and I heard him say, man, John Paul is the best player we have. I've never had somebody on my team like him. He was in my life for a season, ordained by God to be there, and he made such an impact in my life, I remember him to this day. I bet if you look back at your life, you'll see teachers, coaches, grandparents, friends, people from church, that have helped you become the person that you are today. These are God's sins. Back in 2006, whenever I felt the call of God to start a church and to pastor, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know who to go to. Well, when I was in high school, there was a guy, a pastor, who was one of my teachers, and this was my BC years, and I was so bad at one point, he had to body slam me literally on the ground and almost called the police on me. Well, when he heard that the call of God was on my life and I wanted to pastor and preach, he was the first one to ordain me, to send me into ministry. He's a little African-American, older Pentecostal holiness preacher in Little River. And uh, he spent the past decade or so in my life. Uh, he helped me write our 5013C, our bylaws. He helped me with finances to get the church started. He believed in me when nobody else did. I was a young 26 year old kid wanting to preach and he was the only one that was there willing to back me up. He was a godsend. He's still in my life today. I have three points for you today and all of them are very, very vital to the message. Uh, each one of them is needed to accomplish what I believe God wants to accomplish in your life through this sermon. So point number one for your notes is this, recognize the godsends. It's easy to go through life and think that you're alone sometimes and the weight of the world's on your shoulders. And while people are not our source, they are a resource that our source uses each and every day. Recognize these people. There was a, a Navy fighter pilot in Vietnam named Captain Charles Plum. And Captain Charles Plum flew 75 successful combat missions, but on his 76th mission, his plane was hit by a surface-to-air missile and it exploded. Miraculously, he ejected and safely parachuted to the ground. 
Many, many years later, fast forward, and he and his wife are in a restaurant having dinner. And this man came up to him in the middle of the restaurant and said, Charles Plum, I know who you are. You flew fighter jets off the USS Kitty Hawk in Vietnam. I remember when you got shot down and had to parachute to the ground. Captain Plum was amazed that this man knew so many details about his life. He jumped to his feet, shook his hand, said, who are you? How do you know all this? That man said, I was a sailor on that ship with you. And then he said something that forever changed Captain Charles' life. He said, I was the one who packed your parachute. Captain Plum gave him a big hug and they reminisced for several hours. That night, Plum could not sleep. He laid in his bed thinking about the man that he met earlier that day. He thought about how many times he must have passed this sailor on the ship but never acknowledged him, never said, thank you, how are you, good morning, good to see you. See, Captain Plum, he was a fighter pilot. He was at the top of his field. The other man was a good man, but he was a sailor. So back then, Plum didn't really give him the time of day. That night, Captain Plum thought about all the lonely hours that sailor must have spent in the bowels of the ship, carefully sewing the fabric together to make sure that the parachute was just right. Now, Captain Charles Plum goes all over the world, motivationally speaking, and the title of his message is this, Who's Packing Your Parachute? In other words, who's investing in you? Who's behind the scenes doing things, taking care of your children, the first responders in our community, people that are helping you get to where you are each and every day? Ecclesiastes 11.2 says, Invest what you have in people and you will always make a profit. I know some of you have lost some money in the stock market, but there's a particular group. You can call it an organization if you want to, but it's a group of people that no matter how much you invest, you will always see a return and never lose. This group is called the local church. It's the only group in the world that is sustained and provided and protected by Jesus himself. It's the only group that he said, even when the gates of hell come against it, it will not prevail. He didn't say that about Blockbuster, Nabisco, Standard Oil, Texaco, other huge. He didn't say it about the stock market. He said it about the local church. The local church is the hope of the world. Here's why. It's people. God loves to use People And when you invest in them, you'll always get a profit back. In Exodus chapter 17, Joshua was leading the Israelites against a battle uh, against uh, the Amalekites. And they were losing the battle. It wasn't going good. So God sent Moses, who had overseen Joshua for a time, on top of this mountain. God said, Moses, go to the mountain. And as you praise me, as you lift your hands, Israelites will win the battle. But if you lower your hands, if you stop praising me, the Amalekites are going to win. So Moses is faithful. He's up there in the mountain watching it all take place. And as his hands are in the air, he sees Joshua and all the Israelites winning the battle. But the Bible says in verse 11, when Moses held up his arms, Israel prevailed. But when he lowered his arms, Amalek prevailed. Moses was getting tired. He was there hour after hour after hour. So in verse 12, it says, Aaron and her held up Moses's hands, one on one side and one on the other until Amalek was defeated. 
Because three people behind the scenes, three people that God strategically placed in the lives of Joshua and the Israelites, they weren't even in the battle. They were up on a mountain because they were praying, because they were praising God, because they were giving behind the scenes. Joshua was down there having a victorious day with all of the other Israelites, all because Moses Aaron and her simply held up their hands. Here's my question. Who's been holding up your arms? Who's been behind the scenes? Somebody sacrificed. Somebody's gone the extra mile. Somebody worked hard. Somebody gave to help you become who you are today. Who has been holding up your arms? Listen, if you don't have any God's sins in your life, you need to come to Solid Rock. Our church is full of them. Just on a Sunday morning, just on a Sunday morning, before anybody gets here, one of our elders, John, he shows up and he checks all the doors. He checks all the security issues. He makes sure he has a team in place to make sure that safety is a number one priority here. Then the musicians arrive early and they practice and practice. And the singers, Paula Kelly's up there getting the choir full. Joy, uh, uh, Tanya's in the kitchen getting everything ready for the goodies that everybody eats. All the people that give, all the people that are giving behind the scenes. Nathan's up there recording us. He's recording me now. We have people that do our lights, teenagers, adults up there in the sound booth, media booth. My wife gets all the notes on the PowerPoint for the sermon for everybody to see that. Trisha's done handed me all the announcements, cleaned the whole church, have everything organized. It takes more than 50 people every Sunday morning just to pack my parachute so I can preach to you. On Saturday night, I got a friend, Jason. He texts me, man, it's going to be a great service tomorrow. You're going to knock it out of the park. All of these things happen behind the scenes just so I can stand up and encourage you. Linda and Randy are greeting people. They've been there for me uh, when nobody else was. Bob and Cindy, they encourage you. They greet you at the door. All these people, you don't even know it. The ushers, the musicians, the singers, the people in the media booth, people in the kitchen, all these people, they don't get paid. They're volunteers. They're packing our parachutes. There's no such thing as a self-made person. We are all where we're at today because somebody invested into us. If you're retired, you didn't retire just because of your own wisdom, your own work. Somebody hired you. Somebody paid you throughout the years. We have church members in here, Mary, Laverne. They've been with me for years. And, you know, I don't ever look to see who gives and who doesn't give or any of that kind of stuff. But because of the past week or so, not having services, people have been mailing. And I thought they were sending letters. And I'm opening up the mail. I'm getting people that are tithing. During a coronavirus, they're paying for all of this. They're faithful to their church. They're packing our parachutes. Somebody poured into you. Somebody fed you when you were young. Somebody made sure you were clothed. Somebody bought you your first Bible, I'm sure. Somebody told you about Jesus. Somebody sacrificed. Recognize the God sins. Number two is this. Appreciate them. People need to know they're appreciated. It's not enough just to recognize these people. A thank you goes a long way. Jeremiah 30, 19 says, Out of our mouth will proceed thanksgiving, and by the hand of God, He will bless us and increase us. 
Notice, when you are thankful, and I know we're going through a lot, and it may be hard for you to be thankful right now, but I believe even if you look at the past three months of your lives, you'll see somebody that called you, texted you, showed up, greeted you at church, welcomed you with open arms, prayed for you. How many of you have a praying grandma or a praying mother, someone that prayed for you year after year? For you to give up the bad habits, for you to give your life to Jesus, these people sacrificed. When we thank them, God will increase us. There's a famous basketball coach named John Wooden. He told his players, after you score a basket, always look for the teammate who gave you the pass and acknowledge them. Point your finger at him, smile, nod at him. One of the players said, what if he's not looking at us? Coach Wooden said, don't worry, he'll be looking. In other words, people need to know they're appreciated. They want to know. They need to know that they did, that their sacrifice was worth it. That what they did uh, was acknowledged that it helped you. It helped you in some way. You got to tell them thank you. Uh, many years ago, one of my kids wasn't doing right. And I just felt like there was no way I could. I was trying to reach him. We did everything we could. He wouldn't listen to any of his teachers. We had all kinds of issues. But he had a coach that stepped in, and this coach gave him extra attention. This coach uh, poured into him. This coach would pick him up for practice sometimes, even take him outside of school and practice with him out on the field. This coach poured into my child. It wasn't enough that we were just thankful. We could have easily said, you know, he gets paid to do this. That's just his passion. He just loves pouring into kids. No, we went the extra mile and we would buy their family gift cards to different restaurants every other week just to let them know we were thankful for what he was doing for my child. Our life is better because of these God sins. My question is, are you grateful? If you're alive right now, most likely a parent or a grandparent made sure you had three meals a day. They made sure you were clothed. They made sure you went to school. They may not have been a perfect parent. You may have suffered harm in other ways, but one of the greatest ways to heal a heart is to recognize the good that that person did do in your life. I remember one time in my life, uh, a school that I went to, we passed by Burger King every day to go to the school, and my dad would take me to school, and every day for over a year he would take me through Burger King and get me a croissant which for breakfast I just loved him so much he never complained about it he never said I don't have the money I look back and think it must have cost a lot took his time took his energy took his money but he did that because he loved me all of you have somebody just like that in your life it's easy for kids to think you know what my parents they have to take care of me Remember one time I got in a fight with one of my kids and they said, they said, you have to take care of me. I said, no, I don't. You can go live out on the street if you want to. If you don't like our rules. You know, there are 200 homeless kids in Myrtle Beach right now under the age of 18. They're living in the woods. They're living with friends, living in their car. Listen, your parents or whoever's taking care of your grandparents, they don't have to do what they do. You should thank them for it. How many times did my mom hold my head over the toilet when I had the stomach bug as a small child? How many times did she change the trash can out for me like moms do or hold a cold rag over your head or bring Gatorade into your room? 
I never really thought about it until I had kids of my own. How much I didn't enjoy doing those things, but I did it because I loved them. All the diapers. Somebody changed your diapers. I've been very privileged to have all four of my grandparents, uh, both on both sides of the family, alive most of my life. Now I have one grandparent left, but up until my 30s, all four of them were alive, and I never really thanked them. My granddad, every time I saw him, he'd give me $5. Every time I took it for granted. I thought, oh, he's a millionaire. It's no big deal to him. I look back and think how much I should have thanked him. My nana that's still alive today, she took me when I was a little kid to this amphitheater every Sunday afternoon, and I would re-preach the sermon notes that I would take in church that Sunday. She'd be my only audience out there. I'd preach to her at eight, nine years old. She'd even let me take up an offering. <laughs> She'd even give me money out there. Oh man, the people that poured into us. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You want to start the plan God has for your life? Be thankful for what he's done for you already. Some of us are praying that God sends somebody to help us tomorrow and somebody to pay this for us next week. Appreciate the people he's already put in your life. And maybe then he will send more. This, these God sins, this appreciation, it should start in our own home. Sometimes we take for granted the people who help us the most, the ones in our communities, the people who have been teaching your children. Now you realize after you've gone this time having to take care of your own child. Now you realize what a struggle it is, how much we should be grateful for them. Um, recognize the coaches, the first responders in our community. My sister, Lacey, she's a, a registered nurse at, at Waccamaw Hospital. And you know, she made a lot more money working in restaurants and in bars and clubs here in Myrtle Beach before she got her degree. And when we talk about Lacey, you know, if you want to make more money, you go back. She says, no, I love being a nurse. She doesn't do it for the money. She does it because she loves her job. Appreciate these people that are taking care of us. Stop bashing our president. I'm sure that he's not getting any sleep right now. He probably has hundreds of people giving him different opinions on what to do. We got to pray that he hears from God and we got to appreciate all the work they're putting in. Out of the hundred decisions that he makes every week, even if only half of them turn out great for us, we should be thankful. It's a lot of work being the president of you and me. We should be thankful for these people. I'm asking you, to be appreciative for all the God sins in your life. There's a parking lot attendant that works for the Chicago White Sox named Joe. They say he's the friendliest parking lot attendant in the world. In 2005, when the White Sox won the World Series, normally just the coaches and the players get the world championship rings that are so valuable. But Mr. Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the Chicago White Sox in 2005, he knows who's packing his parachute. It's not just the players. It's not just the coaches. He gave one of those expensive world championship rings to every parking lot attendant, every ticket taker, everyone on the maintenance crew, the cleaning staff, from the most important players to the seemingly least important there. No wonder parking lot, Joe, parking lot attendant Joe is so friendly 
He knows he's appreciated. Number three, and this is the most important point, I think, very vital. It's one thing to acknowledge the God sins. Another thing to appreciate them. Here's the third thing. Become a godsend. Become someone that invests into other people in the same way somebody invested into you. Even if we just take a minute right now and we think about the people that raised us, the people that helped, helped pay our bills when we were younger, the person that gave you your first job, the teacher, the coach that poured into you. I had a friend tell me the other day, he's a very successful real estate agent, and he told me, he said, a, a, a business guy that he knows, a Jewish guy, uh, just was talking to him one day and told him how important it is to take a Sabbath, to take a day off every week. My friend told me, he said, that conversation I had changed my life, changed my life. People like that, that God brings in, God says, action, they walk into our life. Cut. That was perfect. They did just what they needed to do. Some people are there for just a time being. Some people are there for a lifetime. But we should be godsends for others. When I die, I want people to remember me that way. I want them to remember me as somebody who helped make their destiny a reality. Who helped them accomplish their dreams. Um, many years ago when one of my children was real sick, he was diagnosed with a malformation in his spinal cord. And we were at MUSC for a few months and the doctors were telling us that he most likely would not survive the surgery. There was a pastor that I was friends with. We weren't that close. I just kind of knew him in passing. He was the pastor of a very, very large church here in Myrtle Beach. Very successful pastor. Twice my age. He had helped so many people. Had thousands of members. Very busy man. While we were at MUSC, this pastor drove to Charleston to surprise us just to come into our room and pray with us. When he was there, I was shocked. I said, uh, are, you, are you on vacation down here? He said, no. I said, are you here to visit somebody special? He said, yes, I'm here to visit you. He came all that way just to say a two-minute prayer and then walk out and drive back to Myrtle Beach. I was shocked. Several years after that, fast forward, I'm a pastor, young guy, small church, and this particular man that had came to pray with us, he went through a very dark time in his life. He got so stressful, so bad, everything going on, that he had planned suicide. Uh, luckily, somebody found him uh, just seconds before he was going to kill himself, and uh, they saved his life, and they got him help, and when I heard what happened, I was shocked, shocked. You know... You never know what somebody is really going through. You see these people in your life, you think they're above you or they're smarter or they're, they're financially stable or they're, they're wealthy or successful. You think, ah, oh, they don't need encouragement. They don't need me. You have no idea what's really going on behind the scenes. When I heard what happened to this pastor, I thought, man, I'm not, you know, I'm not a counselor. I don't have any kind of deep revelation for him. What can I do? I thought, I'll just send him a text and saying, I'm thinking about you. The more I thought about it, the more convicted I got. So I sent him a text. I said, can I take you to lunch? And I thought he's going to say no. He's got so many friends, so many important people that are helping him. He said, sure, I'd love to. We went to lunch. I was so nervous. I didn't know what to say. How do you start a conversation when something like that's happened? I was just there. When the lunch got over with, you know, I, I talked to him and I listened to him. When it got over, I thought, man, that was a, a big failure. 
You know, I hope I did something to help them out, but you know, I'm sure there's somebody there that can do more than me. Before I got in my car, he sent me a text and said, can we do this again next week? I said, sure we can, you better believe it. Showed up next week, same thing. I didn't say anything profound. I didn't have any great wisdom. I just listened. That went on week after week after week for several months. Finally, he's restored. He's back to pastoring. He's a very successful man, great family. Everything's doing fine. Here's the point. Not only did I acknowledge that he was a godsend, not only was I appreciative, but I wanted to do my part to show him I can do something for you too. Just like you poured into me, I don't know what I have to offer. It may just be time. It may just be a listening ear, but I want to somehow make your life better. The Apostle Paul would have never fulfilled his destiny without a young man named Barnabas. Before Paul got saved, he was against Jesus and the disciples and murdering Christians. Now God saves him, heals him, delivers him. And Paul wants to go to Jerusalem to join the disciples, get in the inner circle. In Acts 9.26, it says Paul went to Jerusalem to try to join the disciples. But they didn't believe him. And they were all afraid of him. Here God had changed his life. He was wanting to do good. But he didn't have anybody to help him get in that inner circle until Barnabas stepped up. In verse 27, it says, Then Barnabas took Paul under his wing and explained to everyone how the Lord truly changed him. Here's my point. We don't hear a lot about Barnabas. There's not a lot written about him in the scripture. But when you get to heaven and you say, Paul, how did you do such great things? How did you write two thirds of the New Testament? How did you get through those tough times? Paul would say, my dream came true because Barnabas opened up a door for me that I could not open by myself. Every life that Paul touched, I believe Barnabas got a reward for it in heaven. Don't just use what God's given you for yourself. Use it for somebody else's dream. Become a godsend. I'm amazed at all the people that are still giving to our church. It's like it hadn't even stopped. I'm amazed at the phone calls and texts I've been getting. Who needs help? What can we do? Is there something we can do to help the church? All of these people are godsends. You can be one of those people. Look for ways to invest into others. I want to close with a small story about a little five-year-old girl. She was living in a small town in Mississippi. And as a young girl, she suffered great abuse. Her family was extremely poor. And one morning, the little girl's outside, just kind of nursing her wounds, so to speak, emotionally, even physically. She's laying there, and then comes the milkman to drop off the milk. And as he's walking away from the house, he looks at the little girl, and he says, Hello there, Miss America put a smile on her face. He went about his life, went about his day. Nobody had ever called this little girl anything positive until that Tuesday morning when he said, hello, Miss America. For some reason, it meant so much to her that every Tuesday, she now looked forward to seeing the milkman. Every Tuesday, he'd drop off the milk, look at her and say, hello, Miss America. This went on week after week after week. In the natural the little girl had no reason to entertain the thought of Miss America. She had no connections. 
no stability in her life, no resources. But if we could get to where we need to get to on our own, it wouldn't take any faith. If we could accomplish our dreams all by ourselves, then God wouldn't be using people the way he wants to use people. At 11 years old, this little girl got into a head-on car accident. She was thrown from the passenger seat of the car. She broke her leg in 32 places. She had 200 stitches in her face. For five years, she was in a wheelchair. So much for becoming Miss America. So much for that dream that was put inside of her. Most people would have given up, but she just kept hearing that voice. Hello, Miss America. At 19 years old, she entered her local beauty pageant and won first place. Later that year, she won first place in the Miss Mississippi contest. In 1980, Cheryl Pruitt Salem became Miss America. Today, her and her husband, Harry, go all over the world as evangelists, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and telling her story, how she went from nothing to becoming Miss America. Listen, it all started when the milkman called her by her destiny. I'm encouraging you today, start calling people by their destiny. Start calling them by their destiny. When I thought of that story, I thought of Helen, one of our church members. Recently, she had to have her leg amputated. Listen, she was one of the dancers on our dance team. I went to visit her. She said, once I get my prosthetic leg, I'm going to be back dancing. She's a Miss America. We have Miss Americas all through our church. Trish is a Miss America. Her husband, John, he poured into me and this church when he was dying of cancer. He'd, have, he'd be on morphine and he'd be in church singing in the choir. He's a Mr. America. He's not a Mr. America. He's a Mr. America. And he's up in heaven cheering us on right now. These are God's sins. They've been all through your life strategically placed at just the right time. I cannot write my life story without adding your name in it. And you can't write your life story without putting my name in it as well. Our lives have been divinely linked together, maybe for a moment, maybe for a season, maybe for a lifetime. Appreciate the godsons who are holding up their hands in the background, helping you get victory in your life. Appreciate the people packing your parachute, calling you by your destiny. The parents, the grandparents that held your head over the toilet when you were sick. The people that are helping you pay your bills, teaching your children, taking care of your laundry, become a godsend. Appreciate the ones God's put in your life. And I promise you, he'll send more and more and more your way. I hope this encouraged you today. I'd like to just pray with you for a minute. Man, I just I just I just pray for Allison Wade right now. A part of this church, a family member here. I pray for Mary Mack going through her hip surgery. Lord, just take care of anyone in our body that's been battling the coronavirus or depression, having to be away from people or missing out on work. God, we know that you are our source. These people, we're all just resources that you like to use day in and day out. So, Lord, to continue to do what you do best, protect, provide, speak to us, Lord. 
Lord, we thank you for every person, everyone in our church, all of the God sins you have in our life. Help us to invest in people the way they've invested in us. We ask it right now in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody around you right now said amen and amen. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on our Facebook page, on YouTube. Continue to tune in because we got some special things to entertain you soon. We love you and God bless.